this edition of the Modern Times Podcast, Political Profundity with John Guzan and Karen Weil. Hi, Karen. Hi, and hello to all our listeners out there. How are you feeling today, Karen? Well, I'm doing okay, and despite these crazy times in which we're living, how about you? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, uh, maybe not since the 1950s, as a uh, is maybe <laughs> will a generation have to uh, grow up under under the uh, specter of possible uh, world annihilation. But, hey, <laughs> we survived it before, right? Uh, well, I, you know, <laughs> we never, we had several world wars. We've had uh, I know, several serious uh, military uh, actions in the last 15 years that caused their share of damage. Uh, and, and so, I, I don't know, we're dealing now with a uh, situation that's um, very dangerous in terms of North Korea. Well, I'm sure we'll get to that later. That's one of our topics today. Yeah. We'll run down our topics on political profundity today. French elections, um, including yeah. the, oui. the <laughs> yeah, wee oui, wee, oui. including the oui, um, the recent um, um, election that 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 uh, now will have a runoff with between Macron and Le Pen, um, a possible yeah. government shutdown here in the United States. We're going to come back to the continental area. Um, Trump's bizarre AP interview is, and the 100 Days rally um, will be what we're going to talk about after that. Um, the O'Reilly departure oh from Fox um, and maybe a little Jason Chaffetz in there, too. Um, and then we're going to end with the big, great, looming, dark cloud, North Korea and Russiagate. We hope not. <laughs> we hope it it's not going to end up in a dark cloud. Well, I, I said a dark cloud, not a flaming, burning cloud. Um, there's at least some yeah. hope. <laughs> um Let's start, like we said we were going to, in our sister republic, in France. A uh, little hope, do you think, there, Karen? Well, I, I think, I, you know, I have to say that I, I will give Marine Le Pen credit for oh, you will. having run a better campaign than anybody thought it was possible for her to do. Sure. Uh, it doesn't wash off the stain of her father's <laughs> horrendously bigoted, awful legacy. No. Um, but yeah, I, I, look, and I, I, I find some of the comparisons with Donald Trump here to be very lazy. Uh, but obviously, like Trump, she's able to tap into that angst that a lot of French people feel about globalization. Uh, of course, uh, you know, like Trump, if she were elected, what she'd really be able to do about that, because we're seeing so far Trump has been able to do nothing and doesn't seem to really care. Uh, although Le Pen may very well have some sincere intentions. Um, and again, it remains to be seen what she can do about it. France's economy has been a mess for years. The unemployment rate is still very high. Uh, and, uh, you know, unless she had some truly out-of-the-box ideas to fix that, uh, for example, Nicolas Sarkozy, the president who was elected 10 years ago, made some efforts with the work week and some uh, cuts, and then François Hollande went uh, full-fledged austerity, Ooh, promising he wasn't really going to do that. Uh, which is why his approval rating is now, oh, 4%. I mean, it is the lowest in recorded history for that country. Um, he's, he's really just been an abject failure as yeah. the president, I'm sorry to say. Yeah. Um, but I look at it in general again. She's run a strong campaign. But I, I think uh, Emmanuel Macron also has to be given considerable credit. It seems like he came out of nowhere, had kind of very much a technocratic reputation, uh, I think, frankly, it's a far more likable and sure. charismatic figure than Le Pen is. Sure. Um, and I, I think he's had a, a much more positive message as a general rule. He is generally conservative, although not we could not be confused with any type of American conservative. Right. 
Uh, one thing I find amusing is people who've never been to Europe, they seem to think everybody there is some blood-red communist running right. around naked. And right. I, I said, you know, if you travel to France, the UK, as we've seen, the Netherlands, Germany, you'll find they've got their own little red state areas. But yeah. again, Angela Merkel, what she considers important is not what somebody like uh, Jesse Holmes would have considered important. They don't care about abortion or gay marriage there. They're not sure. fanatical about tax cuts. They're much more pragmatic. If something is good and we have to spend money on it, let's do it. If it doesn't work, well, then we're going to cut it. Don't right. make it an ideological war. Right. Uh, that's the main difference. Uh, it's not to say that they'd have a lot in common with uh, Nancy Pelosi, but again, yeah. uh, there are a lot of gray areas within European conservatism, but and you're right. I mean, you know, Macron is no flaming liberal, uh, and I, I, I think, you know, some pollsters are saying, and again, we all know it's important. While polling is important, at the end of the day, all that matters is that ballot box and right. how people vote. Right. Uh, and well, so they at least did get yeah, it right. Ahead. I mean, they at least did get it right in the primary. Um, supposedly, all those polling yeah. figures uh, played out with with what the actual vote totals were. You know. Correct, and I. I would say if you were asking me, and I, if I'm wrong, I'll come on and admit it. I think Macron wins, but not by much. And same with Le Pen. If Le Pen wins, not by much, and you're going to have an awful lot of pissed off French people. Right, and there's always, uh, I mean, you know, there's always the possibility of some sort of scandal or or or, or something else kind of tilting that. And I think those right. are also built in um, to both of these candidates. There's already been some hay made about um, Macron's um, a wife and how they met in high school. Um, she as a teacher and he as a student, um, you know, there, there, there always might be something that might come out there to affect him. And then, as you mentioned, I think there's, you know, there, there's that I think that danger is going to be s- sitting with Le Pen through this election time um, that 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 something else might come out or somebody might align themselves with her. I mean, there's always that potential. I mean, it seems like there's a flashpoint potential in this election, do you think? I agree. I do think in terms of Macron's relationship with his wife, given the French attitude on these things, I'm not sure that's going to make much of a difference unless there were something so shocking uh, right. about it that even sure. a lot of French who are very laissez-faire on this type of issue would say, hey, wait a minute, this is not somebody that has the kind of character we want. I think, frankly, for Le Pen, the bigger problem for her is Russian influence. Her campaign mm. got loans from Russian banks. Putin has made, like he did with Donald Trump, uh, and not out of any great love for Trump and maybe none for Le Pen, but he obviously favors both those because they are, for him, the much more useful, Right. I don't want to say idiot, but somebody <laughs> that's been far more willing to work with him than, say, Emmanuel Macron in France or certainly Hillary Clinton, sure. had she won the Electoral College. Right. Uh, but there's no question who Putin favors, and it's not Macron. Right. Um, I, I frankly think, and again, it won't. They may not matter on election day, but I do think Le Pen is hurt far more by allegations of ties with Russia uh, than anything else. And just in general, I'm not. Well, she again, she has done a decent job of pushing away some of the more vile elements within the National Front that her father, you know, disgustingly embraced. I'm I'm just not sure she can necessarily overcome that quickly enough to win. Right. But again, we're just going to have to see. It's we're living in very unpredictable times. This has been discussed a billion billion times. You have a middle class anxiety throughout the first world, uh, where people have uh, 
chosen very reactionary candidates. I, I, if, if Le Pen wins, let's hope she does a better job than Trump has at reaching out to the people who do not support her. He has done nothing. If she wins, I suspect she might make some legitimate efforts, but it, it remains to be seen. I, I mean, I think Americans were very nervous, not as nervous about the Dutch elections, which Mark Rutte ended up winning over Herr Wilders, who's an especially unpleasant character. Um, I think we're dealing with two people this time in France who, uh, you know, for their supporters, both can see very positive things in. Yeah. I mean, uh, um, and the mainstream media there could too, I suppose. Is, yes. is, do you think there's anything to the um, uh, misogyny aspect, I guess, would be a way to play it? Because, you know, you have, you have the situation where yeah. you think that kind of, it's you know, some of the Trump base really kind of, I think benefited from the fact that they didn't want to vote for a woman for Hillary Clinton. I mean, we can't ignore oh, the fact that that, that exists. And, yeah. But then in and in France yeah. now they have a female candidate that's playing the Trump role, and and you know I mean as 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 close as we can make a comparison to these two elections, which are different. Um, well, you know, I, I will say that France, in terms of of in general, and I, there is uh, France has not had the best reputation over the years with full equality for women in the political realm or in other sectors of the country. I am not trying to compare it with, with uh, you know, Iran or anywhere else. Don't get me wrong. Uh, so if, if Le Pen wins this, I, I think it'll show, obviously, enough French voters have no problem with the female running their country, uh, you know, a country that has been a major world power in the past and certainly remains a very important cultural and diplomatic uh, presence in the world, as well as in, in other areas. Um, I, I just, I, there may be that segment, as there is in any country, that will simply not accept a female as a leader. Uh -huh. How much of a difference they're all going to make, I think they made a difference here for the presidential election with right. Clinton. And unfortunately, there were probably a good percentage of Democrats who also didn't vote for her based upon that reason. Yeah. yeah um, and, and, and she and also I, had her yeah, own... We'll yeah, she had her own baggage too. Besides the yeah. fact that that some people just 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 can't accept uh, that fact. Um, but um, you know, it's going to be interesting, don't you think? I mean, I know you know we 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 should probably move on to topic two, but yeah. I think France, you know, you know, France is going to be very. We usually okay. don't really pay attention as much, but I think you know because of the parallels um, to what happened in the U.S., especially and what's at stake, it seems like right now. Um, and maybe those same kind of ties to, to, you know, to Russian intelligence services, um, there's, you know, it makes it more interesting this time. Do you, do you agree with that? We uh, monsieur, all I can say <laughs> is bon chance en France. Good luck to you, France. We know, Karen. A lot of us are watching carefully. <laughs> you know, you impress me all the time. Your, your, your French, uh, this morning is, has, has, has really, you know, put the icing on the cake, I think. Um, <laughs> Merci, monsieur. <laughs> all right. Possible government shutdown. Um, there's been, you know, it's been going back and forth lately. The past few days has been border wall for Obamacare payments and, uh, the shutdown is going to happen on Friday. Um, so here we are. Is it going to happen? That's, let's start there. Do you think? I, you're already seeing Trump fold like the cheap suit that he is. <laughs> now they're saying the report I saw is that. They're no longer making the border wall. They're now pushing it back and being vague. Oh, they'll pick it up sometime in the fall. Again, this is just this red meat to keep the base happy. Uh, I, you know, I suspect because you're starting to see a lot of Republicans and not just in the Freedom Caucus say, hey, wait a minute, we can't afford this. 
You're seeing border states like Texas, which is no Democratic stronghold. I believe John Cornyn came out and said, this is not a good idea. Now, when John Cornyn says that, then you know something amazing is going on here. And yeah. considering Texas does tremendous amount of business with, New Me- with Mexico, as does New Mexico and Arizona, right. and the state in which I live, California, right. uh, you know, they're all saying, look, man, this, don't do this. This isn't going to help. And there are Republicans saying it. So, and, you know, it's funny because Trump, who has no mandate, no rent leverage, is not popular, honestly thought by making bellicose threats against Democrats that they were going to come crawling to him. And we all know the Democrats, sadly, have also been good at, at caving. Uh, when they don't need to, which is one of the big problems with that party, among many. But they they just are saying, you know, no, here's our red line, and we're not moving. And they're not. So, you know, I think the Trump administration knew this was another battle. They weren't going to win. And so they caved. Uh, and it just well, shows you know, I mean, you don't, you don't really here. think the border wall is over, do you? I mean, you don't really think he's no, going to give absolutely up? absolutely not. It is not. It, this is look, As long as this man is in office. As long as we're stuck with him, they're going to continue to throw this around to satisfy the base. I, I, I'm going to say this, John. I don't think this is ever really going to come to fruition, but it will be a political football forever because that is what satisfies the hardcore anti-immigration base of the GOP. And that's that. You know, look, anything is possible. Look what we ended up with as president. So I... Uh, but I, I just think that even uh, Republicans in border states understand... What a foolish idea this is. Okay, so... Most of all, for their bottom line. So I'm, I'm going to say no. I just don't think we're ever going to see it. Thank God. No, well, I mean... not going to stop illegal immigration yeah, or anything well, else. I mean, you know, I totally agree with you on, on, on the border wall because, you know, eventually people who make budgets look at things and say, uh, how are we going to pay for um, this when it does nothing but cost us more money to keep it up? Um, Correct. And, and, you know, so, you know, you're always going to have that bottom line. You will literally might bankrupt, um, you know, parts of our economy, at least for sure. We'll have to slow down in other areas. Absolutely. So, um, anyway, beyond the point, though, I think what the question is, though, is there going to be a, a government shutdown? Um, and what's going to happen um, on, on that level? Are they going to be able to make a deal beyond the border wall even to keep the government running? I think, I mean, it's going to go to what's called the CR which I believe is, uh, and I'm blanking out here, I'm sorry, it's the resolution, a conciliatory resolution, I believe, that keeps the government functioning because the GOP, just purely from a political standpoint, it's called a continuing resolution. My apologies for not getting that right the first time. The GOP cannot turn around and blame Democrats. They're in the minority, and they don't hold the White House. Overwhelmingly, the public's going to turn around and say, you guys are to blame for this. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's 20-something years ago, but let's not forget what happened to the Republicans in 1995, after they had just taken over Congress in a huge landslide. Duke Gingrich had a lot of power. Uh, Bill Clinton was very much on the defensive end at that time, and yet because of Gingrich's arrogance and his ego, we ended up having a government shutdown, which is, right. was very damaging. and. And, you know, many would say help the Republicans lose the presidency the next year and cost them seats in the House. Right. Uh, and, of course, really in the long run did more damage to Gingrich than he already could do to himself. But it established uh, Rush and, Limbaugh and Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, another family values paragon. But at any rate, <laughs> uh, so, I, you know, I, I think, say what you will about Mitch McConnell. Uh, Paul Ryan, looks I, like a I turtle. don't quite think, is anywhere near as smart the tactician 
that, that McConnell is. I think McConnell knows what this is going to do. And he's smart enough to say, this isn't worth it. You know, they're looking at 2018. And right now, and we, a lot can change, but the prospects are not good for the GOP. So they're they're gonna they're gonna want to try to avoid this any way they can. So you think a deal is going to be know. struck by someone, um, you know, together somehow? There's going to be a deal struck, um, and and they do the continuing resolution or they do something else. I think it's going to be a continuing resolution, and I think if anything, the deal isn't going to come from uh, Mulvaney or certainly Trump. It's it's going to come maybe from either Paul Ryan or Mitch McConnell working with you know, minority leaders on the Democratic side. Because, I mean, does it, uh, you know, Trump, again, simply is not living in reality with this. Yeah, does and then there's Mulvaney from what he's been saying, not is, from what I've seen. Is it only me, or does it seem like Trump still, I mean, I know, you know, we read the AP interview, and I think, you know, that's our next topic, and I don't want to, I don't want to really ruin that moment. However, <laughs> does it seem only to me that Trump doesn't really seem like he understands how government works? Um, Are you kidding? So, That's an understatement. I, well, I mean, I mean, even to the point that, you know, Congress writes the legislation, they come up with the budget, they do all that. And the president's job is really to say yes or no. And, you know, you don't Correct. you don't have to do that only after they pass legislation. Of course, that's where the give and take is. You know, the president kind of says, well, I'm going to veto this. If you send it over. I mean, it's kind of those things, you know, where you kind of there is some negotiation. However, it's not like a CEO setting a budget at a at a at a, at a company, um, and so you know the the whole CEO president analogy kind of falls apart when you start thinking about that. I think, and you know, for some, you know, you know, people say, "Well, we need a businessman in the White House." Well, you know, they're not really trained to but- be a president or or an executive of a governmental situation, which is similar but but very different, and and so you know, I, yeah. I mean, because, you know, if you just allowed Congress to do their thing and then just said, okay, I can live with that, um, you know, then then he's 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 able to get everything done and, and, and claim victory after victory because he has Congress. But instead, they can't even caucus together because he's he's in between everything. I mean, does it certainly seem and, that way to, to me? And I, I think, again, and I've said this a million times as somebody who is a fan of the capitalist system, imperfect as it may be, but the government is not a business. The government is the commons. The government is us. And I'm sorry, I say to anybody, you want to make a ton of money, go into the private sector. God bless you. I have no problem with that. But you do not run the commons like an ordinary business. And, and Trump's just colossal ignorance. And I'm going to say this, his delusion just shows through this. He's not going to be able to get his way on a lot of this stuff. Not when you've got 535 members of Congress, many of whom are nervously looking at the polls next year, and have uh, their own constituents who are not happy with what Trump's doing and wanting. So I, I think, like I said, I think at the end of the day, there's going to be a, a CR put together here. And I suppose both sides can declare victory. The Trump administration will do that. Although, again, their folding on the wall is hilarious. Yeah. Not surprising, but just very funny. And it, it just egg is on their face big time for this. Yeah, it, um, uh... You know, it, it it harkens me back to one of the first rallies that he 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 reappeared at after his election, and he had one of those banners behind him that said "Promises Kept." Um, well, he's kept none of them, so or very <laughs> few of them. The only thing this man has done, which takes no real effort at all, is to sign executive orders. If Hillary Clinton were doing that, 
she'd be pummeled day in, day out, and I wouldn't blame people for doing so. Well, it's like it everything else, goes, you know. It's like yeah. it's, it's like those people that complain that somebody's got their hand in the till, but then when they get control of the till, they want to put their hand in it too. Um, oh yeah, and his is way up to his bloated, uh, you know, collarbone. So excuse my my you know my uh, insult there, but. Well, yeah. and you know, so I mean, the just, other thing with going maybe with a continual uh, a, a continuous resolution, it then kicks everything down the road. So then right. everything starts still. You're basically then not made any progress whatsoever on anything. So even the tax plan, healthcare, all these other things that need to be dealt with in order to make these budgets work, because you can't have one without the other. I mean, right now you have to literally repeal Obamacare in order to get that off the books. And so you can't and then spend have, $21 billion yeah, dollars on a wall if, if you're actually giving people health care. And what's more important? Like you really, you know, so, but I mean, it starts that whole thing because they, they had said, well, it's a series of things we have to do. And well, they've missed on all of them. So it means it's now you still got the same series in order to get even close to what you think might be a budget that's manageable. Correct. And I... Again, we all know what a disaster an attempt at repealing the ACA turned out to be for the GOP last month. I, I you know, I, and they still are talking about doing it, with, but with no real concrete plan. And again, their their constituents have made it very clear: the ACA is not perfect, but we like it. Strengthen it or leave it alone. So I, I think you know on Friday we're going to see that the, you know the world's not going to come to the to the end on this, and um, I, I and I don't think either the Democrats or Republicans particularly will get a lot of political. They're they're not going to catch any real fallout from it, nor are they going to get any big wins. That's my prediction. I might be wrong, and I'll admit if I am <laughs> afterwards. Okay, so I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, and then, so let's go to number three, um, the disastrous AP interview and the events of this coming weekend. Um, there's some neat things going on. Um, there's going to be a rally. There's going to be a White House Correspondents' Dinner, sort of, not really. Um, and, and, you know, there's going to be some fun stuff, I think, to see. Great must-see TV. If only NBC would pick these up. Um <laughs> Um, but before we get to that, I want to ask you, hey, can I get you a Coke? No, I'm just... <laughs> that was my... <laughs> yeah, no, no, thank you. And uh, I, don't I don't think it means another one either. Yeah, if, <laughs> you know, if, if no one got the reference, that's one of my... That is my favorite bit from the AP interview um, that Donald Trump gave. Uh, right in the middle, he mm. he just asked if somebody wanted a Coke. Um, and I don't... I'm... I'm, uh, I'm Maybe in the 80s it would have been a line of Coke, but um, supposedly he doesn't do that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. You don't get an orange face like that and not do... No, wait. Come on. Now. Somebody will sue me. Um, anyway, the disastrous uh, Trump interview. You know, I, I already gave you my favorite thing. Hey, can I get you a Coke or, a Coke or anything? Um, but, you know, some of the other things that were in here... Um, We've worked long and hard. It's only I've only been here now 93 days, 92 days. President Obama took 17 months to do Obamacare. I've been here 92 days, but I've only been working on the health care. You know, I had to get, like, a little bit of grounding, right? Health care started after 30. So I've been working on health care for 60 days. You know, we're very close. And it's a great plan. You know, we have to get it approved. 
That's like one of the best statements he had, it seemed like. Uh, what was your well, initial reaction? Many, yeah, there were many times where the AP wrote, unintelligible. <laughs> we're talking about the person who's supposed to be the leader of the free world. I, I really, again, if Hillary Clinton had had an interview like that, I can tell you right now, today, the GOP would be calling up the 25th Amendment to remove her from office. And again, I wouldn't blame them. Because I'd say, this woman clearly has problems, and I don't want her at the helm of our nation any longer. This man, and I'm just going to say this, is not fit to be president. He does not have the mental abilities, he does not have the stability for it, and he doesn't have the intellect. He, ba he can barely get out a sentence. This is, just, this is embarrassing. And, you know, he's not going around saying Obama made us look weak by his actions. Well, Trump definitely does that. And what he does is give a lot of our adversaries and rivals... They take delight in this because they see a country being led by somebody who does not have a clue. All right, we talked I mean, earlier it's about incredibly embarrassing. We, you know, we talked earlier a little bit about his his knowledge of the job, and I want to read this one. Um, AP asked, "Can I ask you over your first hundred days? You're not quite there yet. How do you feel like the office has changed you?" Trump said, "Well, the one thing I would say, and I say this to the people, I never realized how big it was." Everything's so unintelligible. Like, you know, the orders are so massive. I was talking to, and AP asked a follow-up, you mean the responsibility of it, or do you mean, and Trump answered, number one, there's great responsibility. When it came to, as an example, send out the 59 missiles, the tomahawks in Syria, I'm saying to myself, you know, this is more than just like 79, and then they have sick because it's, he said 59, and it was 59, and then he said 79 missiles. This is death that's involved because people could have been killed. This is risk that's involved because if the missile killed. goes off and goes in a city or goes in a civilian area, you know, the boats were hundreds of miles away. And if this missile goes off and lands in the middle of a town or a hamlet, <laughs> every decision is much harder than you'd normally make unintelligible this is involving death and life and so many things so it's far more responsibility unintelligible the financial cost of everything is so massive every agency this is thousands of times bigger the united states than the biggest company in the world the second largest company in the world is the defense department the third largest company in the world is social security the fourth largest you know you go down the list AP says, right. And then Trump says, it's massive. And every agency is, like, bigger than any company. So, you know, I really just see the bigness of it all. And also the responsibility. And the human responsibility. You know, the human life that's involved in some oh of the decisions. God. So, I, what I liked out of here is bigness and responsibility. I think that that could be a new podcast name. Um, in pursuit of bigness and responsibility. Um, yeah, so I guess you don't realize that the presidency is going to be big or have a lot of responsibility. I, I mean, I, 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 I know I kind of, re I took us on a, on a, on a, on a long uh, read there, but, um, it's intriguing, don't you think? I mean, uh, you had mentioned... I, well, I don't think it's intriguing. I think it's incredibly disturbing. I think it's incredibly embarrassing. If, if, you, if, you, if, if people read that and they didn't know who was speaking, I think most people's reaction would be, this person is on drugs. 
I, I'm, I'm dead serious, John. I mean, we can be amused at this, but I, I just, it shows again, this man is not mentally stable for this job. And if the GOP, the only other thing I can say on this, honestly, is if the GOP Congress had any decency or really cared about our country, they would invoke the 25th Amendment, remove Trump from office, and install Mike Pence, you know, swear him in as president. Say whatever you will about George W. Bush. And again, I, I, George W. Bush compared to Trump is a Rhodes Scholar, and uh, every great president we had rolled in one. But, you know, he could certainly be far more eloquent and thoughtful than this. Uh, this is just, this man is a disgrace. I'm sorry. He has no, no business being president. Uh, I, that's it. it. I, we're stuck with him until either A, the GOP does decide it really has to act, or B, voters decide next year that they put the Democrats in and Trump is removed, or C, he loses in 2020. Right. If God help us right. all, we're not all killed in a war before that. And there's my hyperbolic statement, but no, 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 this no. is just seriously embarrassing and, and just, un, un, just, just completely debases the office of the presidency. Karen, you know, I, I, I don't want you or anybody listening to mistake my, my, uh, no, I my left. No, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to make a greater point. And I think, you know, that, um, you know, my laughter in the background is, is not because oh, of, um, uh, you know, it, it was the way that you turned your phrase. I think, you know, you, you, you put it in a way that I think is accessible, but I, you know, I think serious, Lee and, 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 and kind of thinking about it in a serious manner. Um, I agree with you that, you know, Trump is a complete um, embarrassment to the United States. Um, and, you know, it comes and goes, I think, um, on, on, on what my personal level of, hey, something has to be done immediately. But, you know, one of the things that I, when I, when I think about it um, contemplatively, I think that, part of what we have as our system necessitates us ha giving him so much, so much patience, um, in order to, if that, you know, transfer of power needs to happen, that it's handled, you know, completely properly and legally. Oh. And, and, you know, I mean, what I'm, what I, I guess what I'm getting at is that having patience, um, with even someone as, as seemingly unfit for the job as maybe we've ever had, especially in modern times where it's so much even more important than it might've been um, um, like with Franklin Pierce, say, for an example, um, who who's widely panned as one of the worst presidents of all time. But the importance of the presidency of the United States in 2017 is, is, is way um, larger than it, than, than it was in the, in the um, 19th century. So I think, waiting, you know, and letting that time come, because I think, you know, we, you have to do it right. And we don't want it to ever be um, perceived as political for a lot of the same reasons that I think there's there's active criticism of Trump. You also have to let the system play itself out in whatever way that it does. And I know you feel that way, too. And um, uh, well, that's why I said the voters may be the ones who decide this either next year or in 2020. But Again, I, I'm sorry, Donald Trump is not fit to be president. Yeah, but it's like, it's, I, I, think, I think it's almost he like... If any decency, he'd step down. I agree with you, but it's but almost like the same patience we have to have with freedom of speech mm -hmm. um, in this, you know, in, in our republic. You know, sometimes it's not easy being in a free republic. And that means sometimes maybe, you know, and, and I don't know if, we, again, that we've ever been challenged um, as a nation with 
you know, someone with the skill set um, being president and, and having to have patience with that. Usually that's not where we have to worry. Um, you know, when we have people like they talk about, they step up to the job um, where it doesn't seem like Trump has really stepped up very much in the 100 days. Um, and, you know, and that's another point to kind of make. And we talked about the 100 day rally and talking about him reaching his 100 days. And I think that, you know, the give and take that's been out there and what he's been able to accomplish and saying, well, what is really the 100 days? Well, you know. 100 days isn't going to be what you've completely accomplished. It doesn't have to be there. Even your legislative um, wins, uh, it, uh, even if you have both houses of Congress and your same party, are going to be difficult in 100 days. We all know that. It even took Obamacare, like they said, 16 months or, or more. Um, but I, what I think is important is how a president acts in those 100 days. And I think that's really what it ends up being. It's, you know, do you, you know, you know Roosevelt had that 100 days that, that was very trying for some of the things that he tried to do. Um, and, and very satisfying for other things that he tried to do, but it showed that he was going to be kind of an action taker and he was going to be moving forward. Um, and so I think it kind of sets tone. Um, and, and that's what I think in the hundred days with that, you know, that Trump has done, whether you're judging him, it's not just on what you've done legislatively. It's how you seem to have been fitting into that role as president. And I don't, you know, I have to agree with you. It, it's not gotten any better. It might have even gotten worse than you thought it was. Because at this point, has gotten worse. Yeah, could, you know, because at this point, he's just, he's where he should have been when he first tried to run or when he got his first security briefing. I mean, you know, I mean, understanding the bigness of it all or the responsibility, I mean, maybe he should have showed up to those briefings he didn't show up to in October. Correct. So, you know. I, again, yeah, I... Continue. No, no, no. I'm done. I, you know, I, 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 I just, I, you know, I just try to calm those people that I know that have no more patience, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. But you know, then, then we set a precedent for, for things that I don't think we want as part of our republic. You know, 50 years from now, how we got rid of him. It's, it's bad enough that he's well, there. I, I, again, John, technically, the Congress would have the right to invoke the 25th Amendment if it felt it was justified. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. Of course, it's but then, but then you set a precedent on what the justification for invoking the 25th Amendment is, and 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 uh, I, and and you know, I don't know whether we're there yet or whether we should always make the bar mm-hmm. higher, because because if we don't, then then what have we said? It's never been invoked before. Look, you know, we've impeached two presidents. Uh, we've had a lot of things that have never happened before and never been done before, and they happened. So, right. No, I, I'm I just, just saying. I, I, mean, I understand we both, your point. I think I think we both understand that both of those impeachments were political. Um, you know, um, kind of. Uh, well, in the case of Andrew Johnson, wax. I'm not sure it was that political. Johnson again was not fit to lead, and I mean, we're talking 100 plus years ago. Uh, Johnson was also a drunk. Now, Donald Trump's pro- problem isn't that he's a drunk. His problem is that he's mentally unstable. <laughs> That's his problem. Uh, so I, I understand what you're saying, and uh, but I, and again, it's going to be ultimately, I think the voters are going to be the ones that are going to decide this. That's right. You know, I mean, but, I don't think there's anything that, that would be as effective as that. As because we know that there probably is not going to be any legislative accomplishments happening whatsoever because it seems like they can't Correct. agree, and you can't go into the next congressional season with health care being debated. So if it's not if it's not at least tackled by by December, it's not going to be until the next until the next congressional elections. So you know I think that's that's the the only thing that could be any more uh, impactful. I think might be then turning over at least the Senate, maybe even Congress, depending on how big of a wave there might be, 
um, which, you know, right. some are predicting huge, others are predicting won't be. Um, and so, you know, you're going to have to have that election too. Like you said, I think if, if, if that's the worst that comes out of it, that uh, there's definitely, you know, uh, control of one house, even if it's the Senate, it, that changes the dynamic completely. And, it, and, and you know, it, oh, well. it puts them in check at least, at least a little more. I mean, I, that would might get, you know, I suppose the best possible situation other than Trump's leaving would be if the Democrats did take the House and, and Senate. Maybe they couldn't impeach nor move, but if they neuter him to the point that he really does become irrelevant and ineffective, uh, you know, that would that would be better than what we have now, which is somebody who has just absolutely no grasp or understanding of this job and seems uninterested in doing so. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame, but that's where we are. And he can keep on holding rallies, which is what he's going to do this weekend with his more uh, hardcore supporters. But it's not going to change the way the most of this country and the world sees him. Wonderful, I'll have that promises kept banner up again this year, uh, this week. Um, Hey, let's uh, skip over the O'Reilly thing and Chaffetz and go to North Korea and then and then jump back. What do you say? Yeah. Uh. The North Korean fear and the Russiagate fallout uh, today. Flynn, um, both uh, uh, the aforementioned uh, uh, Chaffetz, Chaffetz uh, and uh, Elijah Cummings both came out saying that probably Mike Flynn uh, violated the law by not saying that he got paid by Russia today um, for a speaking engagement. Um, and then we also have now a carrier task force actually showing up in the Korean Peninsula um, and in and, and even scarier talk. Um, you know, whether whether anything could actually make it here or not, um, you know, it's uh, it creates like, uh, you know, we had mentioned before we started the podcast, um, you know, the people of South Korea, they're the ones who are really worrying at this point. Um, you know, the people in North Korea are probably blissfully happy or, or blissfully sad um, in whatever whatever state they're allowed to be in at this time. But we got, you know, there's 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 two big things moving along that seem to be hearkening back to the same old Cold War battles or same old Cold War nemesis um, are, are, are hanging there. Uh, where do you want to go to first, Karen, North Korea or Russiagate? Well, I think North Korea, frankly, is the more worrisome issue at this point. Uh, of course, again, I hate to harp on it, but when you have a commander in chief who most people don't respect or believe, if he's going to start making noise about what a threat North Korea is, it's going to be very hard to believe anything that comes out of his mouth. Um, and, and, of course, people forget North Korea can't hit us, but it can hit South Korea. And an awful lot of people could be killed if that happens. Uh, and never mind what China's going to think of that. And, of course, you know, Trump in his meeting with uh, President Xi, where he didn't particularly do himself any favors, sorry, um, you know, it's assuming that China's going to turn around and fix this. China, I think, unless I'm wrong, has kind of made it clear, hey, wait a minute. Don't drag us into this. <laughs> yeah. You know, we... You know, they don't want to be associated with... They don't want to be associated with uh, the little uh, guy in the gray suit either. Uh, well, correct. And China has a very complicated and sometimes not particularly respectable relationship with North Korea. I'm well, they used to Chinese rule Korea, right? People. I mean, uh, Trump and, and Xi both said that they used to rule Korea. <laughs> right. And then, of course, she had to educate him once again on that. Hey, wait, you know, he told him, look, I don't think you understand the history, so let me tell you about it. But I, I just, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wade into some territory here that might piss off some of your listeners, but I suspect... Trump our listeners, Karen, our listeners... Our listeners, 
I suspect Trump is doing this to take all the attention that he can off of the Russian scandal. And because nothing, you know, it works briefly for the with the Syria strike. And, uh, you know, I, because the Flynn, the Flynn news is pretty big. And, you know, Flynn has already said he's happy to talk to the feds for immunity, which FBI that, said no. That's what no, he wants it you. for, right? That. Right? That's what he wants the immunity for. Precisely. Um, and I honestly don't think Flynn is even the major player in all of this, from what I've seen. But, again, depends on what he says. Uh, but I, you know, this is why just any kind of attempt on the Trump administration's part and for action on North Korea, it just, it's not trustworthy. And diplomacy is really the way to go. And yes, nobody denies Kim Jong-un is a bad guy. North Korean government is a terrible, terrible, terrible government. But again, we've had an uneasy peace for the last 60 plus years for them, with them. Nobody would call that ideal. But I'd say that's preferable than hundreds of thousands of South Koreans being killed. Now, and that's okay. my, my take on it. All right. I, here, I, I, I have something to ask you. Now, you had mentioned that we can't be hit by North Korea, right? Correct. It's my understanding is we can't. Well, we can't be hit by North Korea by a intercontinental ballistic missile because they don't have one that works or they could get here. But it doesn't mean that, that there isn't some possible way that... Um, that there could be a nuclear weapon that makes its way to the United States. Well, sir, I mean, look, anything is possible. And given we don't really know everything about North Korea's nuclear program, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there, are, there are terrible scenarios here. Uh, you know, so it, it, it could be North Korea has better capabilities than anybody understands, um, which, again, is why the idea of, of having some kind of attack on that country is not a good idea. It's it's a it's a terrible. So again, I'm just hoping some cooler heads like General Mattis prevail with this administration and call off any attempt to do a military strike. Well, you know, I mean, it, you know, I think you know, it's 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 a uh, we put our lot a lot of faith, I think, in in people now and. Uh, saw a clip on you know on the internets uh, this week uh, one of the uh, uh, John Oliver clips talking about you know you think everybody's just like well you know he's got Jared and Ivana you know um, uh, and some people you know and then on defense issues well he's got he's got Mattis you know there you know um, but you know it's like when you're comparing um, other people to Trump you seem to give mo- the other people more uh, credit. Um, you know, it's like, well, you know, we were going to rely on a, on a military general, um, um, to kind of, you know, you know, tell, uh, Trump, he should step back. Um, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's one of those, you know, items where you might not say that, um, with anyone else being president. Um, and I think the same thing applies. And one of the thing, funny things that I wanted to mention that I thought Oliver mentioned was when he said, well, we're kind of comparing, um, you know, apples and the orange one, um, because of Donald Trump's skin <laughs> color. Um, but it is, you know, it's, you mentioned that he might be trying to deflect attention on, uh, from Russiagate by, by, by kind of stoking these, 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 these animosity, this animosity between the U.S. and North Korea. But do you really think he's smart enough for that? And and does he understand, do you think, I mean, because he just mentioned, well, there's responsibility and there's human lives. And, you know, I'm not just doing a real estate deal here. 
Um, you know, messing with messing with North Korea. Well, you know, I I mean, messing with North Korea is is nuclear Russian roulette almost. You know, and and does he understand that? Do you think? I don't think it's a matter of being smart because he's really not, other than knowing how to work the media. It's a matter of knowing enough that it will take attention away from what is still a very very serious scandal concerning his administration and possible collusion with the Russians to affect the election. Um, and it may be, you know, look, Trump does have, have some smart people around him, as nefarious as some of them may be, like Steve Bannon, uh, and some outlier influences like Sebastian Gorka and Roger Stone, who could certainly be whispering in his ear that this would be one great way to just provide, you know, provide some cover um, but, you know, again, there's so much about this administration that is uh, clouded in, in controversy and, and, uh, and scandal and, and uh, that it's just, it's hard to see who's really running anything there. I don't think it's Donald Trump. He is simply the conduit for it. Okay. So you mentioned um, earlier a little bit about this a hundred senators, you know, they're calling every senator to go to the white house, even though they can't go to the white house. Um, they're going to go to the uh, Eisenhower office building, I think, or something like Correct. that. Um, but, you know, they say it's uh, uh, never happened before. It's, uh, you know, if any time the president wants to kind of brief the Senate, they, they go to a secure location underneath Congress. Um, and so odd, weird, you know, it's like, uh, you know, the first thing when my, when my uh, uh, you know, snarky side popped up, I thought of the, uh, the, um, the, uh, the, 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 uh, flower symposium scene from the Manchurian Candidate. Um, I thought they were going to get all the they're going to get all the senators in there and start telling them about flowers. Um, no, but but seriously, it it does seem odd. The whole thing seems very strange. Um, is that more theatrics calling the Senate to? It's absolutely more theatrics. It's Trump thinks it's a way to maybe cap off his one hundred days of very little in terms of achievement. And it also may be a way to pressure senators who might be vulnerable to re-election. And there are an awful lot of Democratic senators up next year who might be, to be honest, uh, to get them to to pressure them to go along with his moves. Yeah, but you think um, they're just not smart enough to realize that there's nothing he, there's nothing to be won by confronting North Korea militarily. I mean, they have the bomb, right? I mean... I, again, John, we're dealing with somebody who doesn't really live in reality. He's been okay. able to get away with an awful lot. Well, I'm trying and, to show a little, you know, a little, just a little bit of political profundity here. How about that? <laughs> no, right. But I, I, I don't, like, again, it, you know, it could pay off for him. He got some good press from the serious strikes. That faded because it seems like the problem with the main problem with this administration, whatever success they seem to have gets undone by Trump himself by his tweets, by some utterance, by embarrassing interviews, or by people around him, like, well, formerly around him, like Mike Flynn, who turned out to be knee-deep in Russian influence. And that is the main, you know, the main problem with this administration. They simply can't seem to get anything right. Yeah, and like we had said multiple times, I think, if there's nothing there, if there's nothing to the connection between Flynn and, and Russia, how come he doesn't put that fee on his... Um, you know, uh, security clearance form. Good question. I mean, why? I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's a he was a former general, right? I mean, doesn't he know that if he? I mean, you would figure that's part of what they have to know. 
you would think. <laughs> but I, we, as we've seen with a lot of people surrounding Trump, ethics and morality <laughs> and honesty do not matter. The ends justify the means. Yeah, um, now, that works as long as it does until it doesn't. You know, comedy films, I think, you know, and, and the Trump administration, I think that's going to maybe be... We might want to do a special um, podcast on comedy films that relate to the Trump administration. Um, but that reminded <laughs> me of, uh, um, uh, not, uh, is, yeah, is it Billy Madison where uh, he finally wins because he asked the business guy to explain what business ethics is. And he's just, he gets, <laughs> um, anyway, um, let's, uh, we're almost out of time here. Let's, let's, let's quickly yep. jump into the billow pool. And take a, 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 and maybe have a little slice of Chaffetz on the side. Um, Bill O'Reilly's leaves Fox. Um, do you think he's going to disappear? Is he going to go out into the great no, wilderness, no, or is he going to be an not. internet I mean, phenomenon? O'Reilly has millions of followers, like him or not. Uh, I, I suspect either there could be maybe the one network, which is a hardcore right wing network, could hire him. The Blaze, maybe Breitbart. Uh, he could do his own podcasts and just go solo the way Howard Stern and Dr. Laura have, or, you know, Rush Limbaugh has, and, and built a media empire that way. So, no, we're not rid of him. Um, I, I, you know, it's obviously, but O'Reilly's departure, I think, shows the power of boycotts. It shows the power of public pressure. And, again, O'Reilly has nobody but himself to blame at the end of the day for this. This man had a history of sexual harassment. Most of us remember from 2003-2004 the scandal involving uh, former staffer Andrea Macris, which O'Reilly never fully denied. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you already had, I, you know, you have this, once you have the perception with Fox that this network has serious problems within its management, when we saw Roger, Roger Ailes pushed out for sexual harassment of Gretchen Carlson, among others, you know, once you have that perception there is there is that effect that snowball effect that starts occurring, and it made it, it just seemed to be it, it seemed to make sense that yes, Ailes was acting in this way. Surely there should be others who are because that kind of environment rarely is in a vacuum. If you know what I mean, it's it's often more than one person. Oh yeah, behaving in a manner that is not acceptable. Hey, you know there used to be an uh, old an old an old horrible saying came up in the nineties. You know that. Um, do you ever notice that, you know, all the women that complain about sexual harassment or women you wouldn't want to sexually harass in the first place? Well, now, yeah, what I think is, what I think... Despicable. Yeah, yeah, but what I think has come actually out to be true, and I think the Fox News thing um, kind of, you know, proves that, is that you ever notice that the people who are who sexually harass women are people that most women wouldn't want to be sexually harassed no, by in the I first mean, place? I, I mean, Roger Ailes is like Jabba... Yeah, Roger Ailes is Jabba the Hutt, and Bill O'Reilly is like Emperor Palpatine. I mean, it's like... I this... mean, he wasn't that looking 20-something years ago or 30 years ago when he was on Inside Edition, but those days have passed. Karen, I, so, Karen, uh, I have <laughs> one thing to say about that. Ew. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, again, O'Reilly... Look, this guy, like Bill Clinton, let's be fair, other Republicans or Democrats who couldn't seem to keep it in their pants or behave themselves... <laughs> yeah, they're men. Yeah, they have a history. And once that history is there... Unless they can offer some concrete proof that they did not do what they're being accused of, it takes it very hard to, it makes it extraordinarily hard to believe them. And I don't think O'Reilly would have left if he were truly innocent. innocent. 
Yeah. And that's all there is to that. But he'll play the victim, and his inner circle or believe him. And I hate to bring up his name once again. Donald Trump defended this guy, somebody who himself who has a history of being a sexual predator. So here we are. It is it's sadly still a culture that exists because far too many people in power condone it or even have practiced it. And on both sides of the aisle, and in the, including in the media spectrum. It would be interesting so, to see Donald Trump grab Bill O'Reilly by the pussy. Yeah, God, man, some of us have to eat later. Don't even bring that up. I mean, and now there are allegations. Sean Hannity, who frankly is, is, is somebody who is just highly unpleasant and, and dumb as a rock. I mean, I'll give O'Reilly this. He's a smart man. Sean Hannity is not. And, uh, you know, but there are now allegations surrounding Sean Hannity, and he, his behavior right now reminds me, to paraphrase the old Shakespearean quotation, me thinks thou doth protest too much. <laughs> so we'll see what happens with him. But, you know, it's, you know, thankfully these women are coming forward, and, and there is more support for them. And, and O'Reilly, even though we won't see him rotting in prison or being on the food line anytime soon, he's being held accountable. Better late than never. So, yeah, well, you know, and yeah. you mentioned, um, you know, he must have really done something or else maybe, you know, he wouldn't be leaving. And the one thing that I, Absolutely. I, I well, well, the one thing I have to say to that is, you know, $25 million might, might make it really easy to just go away quiet. Well, precisely. Look, Fox doesn't need this. The show lost all its sponsors. And that, you know, I don't care who does it. At the end of the day, if your show becomes associated with the controversy, no matter what it may be, from the right or the left, your employer is going to say, you know what, you're damaging our brand, and it's time to part ways. Here's your final check. Adios. Yeah, I mean, and, and O'Reilly doesn't need it anymore. Um, you know, there was an interesting piece um, that uh, Keith Olbermann wrote um, in Vanity Fair, I think it was, um, you know, this morning or yesterday, um, and he kind of hmm. shared some of the you know insights that he had about Bill O'Reilly, although he said, I've never actually literally talked to the man one-on-one. You know, he had been at, you know, a few events, but it always seemed like O'Reilly was straining to keep at least 20 yards between them. Um, but what I thought was interesting is, and he was talking about what he is predicting, is the same thing that he's going to do instead, is that he's never going to make $18 million a year again, which is what, I guess, O'Reilly made. Um, it's just they don't pay television personalities that kind of money anymore. Um, but that he can get even more viewers... Um, by going onto some web outlet only, then then mm-hmm. he he might have been pulling in on Fox. I think they they were saying his last numbers were like t- uh, two point seven five million, and uh, Oberman was saying he gets regularly over three million for for his little web show he does for GQ. So it right. but he you know so you know what he the way he explained it was that twenty five million dollar golden parachute, and then he gets to still do whatever he wants and affect and impact the thoughts of just as many or more people. Um, you know, and, 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 and nothing changes for him. Um, so, and, you know, and he probably can be free to sexually harass whoever he wants to work for him, um, (laughs) for the foreseeable future. Um, but that's, you know, very interesting. I thought what Oberman said, and it seems to make complete sense. And I, I, I I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I I think Oberman is right. And look, O'Reilly's not going away. He's part of that world. We're never going to get rid of him. Uh, but, you know, his credibility is shot, and certainly his kind of the power that he had as a media figure, even with going solo on YouTube or his own website, it will not quite be the same. And again, somebody whose arrogance and bad behavior 
brought it on himself. So yeah, and it's definitely the end of a generation. I mean, I think it's the end of a of a of a of a of an era, I guess, um, in in cable TV. I think you know everybody talks about cable TV dying, and you know um, the loss of John Stewart and Bill O'Reilly within what eighteen months of each other. I think you know which those two guys Not really. You know, they really defined the the cable TV kind of opinion space for, what, you know, more than a decade. Um, and, you know, that's now really changed. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of comes out of that and whether it ends up being completely, um, uh, you know, kind of almost deregulated in a way, um, just kind of spread out to the people or different groups, um, different new uh, news organizations that are going to be coming out. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens moving forward. And, and I, you know, Fox, I think also is in that tenuous situation. They, they were built on the opposition party, at least for the last eight years. And even before that, um, and now they've kind of taken over everything and, and they don't know what to do with it. It's like, you know, they got the keys and they don't know how to drive. Exactly. I, you know, I, I, you, I think you sum it up very well. Well, good. I'm glad we summed it up well because we are out of time. It was great talking to you, though, and I hope everybody enjoyed it, it, it enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, well, I did, and I know I had a lot to say today, so <laughs> thank you. Karen, you always have a lot to say, but you know what? The good thing about it, they're always very um, uh, heartfelt and, and usually very educated responses. We all make our mistakes, and the last one I want to point out was I said Vanity Fair for the Oberman article. It was in Variety, so apologies for that one. <laughs> Um, and that's proof that everyone makes mistakes. Um, but Karen, thanks again. Thank you, and thanks to everybody out there listening. Really appreciate your support. We'll talk to you later uh, next week, uh, about two weeks. I think next week we're doing a sports, and then Karen and I will be back a couple weeks after that. Appreciate More it, everybody. More we'll have to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we still have power. Thanks. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you.